Hello everybody, I'm Sean and welcome back to the Croc Time Podcast, delivering weekly updates on markets and geopolitics, providing you with valuable insights and unique perspectives on events and trends shaping the world. So far in 2023, we've seen two military coups in Africa, one in Niger and one in Gabon. The coup in Niger toppled the democratically elected government of Mohamed Bazoum, which had demonstrated significant progress in confronting the growing jihadist threat in the Sahel region. The coup in Gabon instead toppled the family dynasty, the Bongo family, which had ruled the country since 1967. While the situation and the reasons for the two coups are different, both were led by the presidential guard. Both countries were also former French colonies that had maintained strong relations with France. Recent years have seen a sharp uptick in military coups in Africa, and especially in the Sahel region. Sudan, Guinea, Burkina Faso, and Mali have all witnessed successful military coups. Coup attempts are also on the rise. Sierra Leone, Guinea-Bissau, and Sao Tome are recent examples. For this reason, today's episode is only the first of a five-part series analyzing the current instability in Africa and the wider Sahel region. Today's episode will go back in time and take a look at European colonialism in the continent and its modern-day effects. While the current instability can be explained by a long list of factors, most coups in recent years have happened in former French colonies. Therefore, today's episode will mostly compare the continent's French and British colonies. Ready? Great, so let's cut to the chase. When we talk about colonialism in Africa, we usually only think of Europeans carving up the continent between themselves in the late 19th century and early 20th century. However, colonialism of Africa from external players can be seen going back to the ancient and medieval times. That depends on how you define colonialism, of course. Ancient Greeks and Romans all established colonies in Northern Africa. Arabs then moved in, introducing the Arabic language and spreading Islam. People from Southeast Asia migrated to Madagascar as far back as two and a half millennia ago. Malagashi, the current language of Madagascar, is an Austronesian language which traces its roots to the Sunda Islands in modern-day Indonesia. However, most interest back in the day was focused on Africa's coasts. But let's not forget that Africa itself has a rich and often forgotten history of powerful and influential kingdoms and empires that thrived in different regions and throughout centuries. The ancient Egyptian civilization along the Nile River thrived for millennia. The Carthaginian Empire in modern-day Tunisia and northern Africa, spread throughout the Mediterranean and was a formidable force in fighting the Roman Empire. The Kingdom of Kush in Sudan and southern Egypt mastered archery and maintained a complex economy based on trade and industry. The Aksumite Empire in Ethiopia and Eritrea adopted Christianity as a state religion and held a virtual monopoly on Indian Ocean trade. 
The Ghana Empire, which funnily enough was not located in modern-day Ghana, was known for its extensive control over gold and salt trade routes. The Mali Empire is famous for Emperor Mansa Musa and his incredible wealth and his pilgrimage to Mecca. Great Zimbabwe held very impressive stone architectures for its time. As we can see, the list goes on and on. All these empires demonstrate that Africa's history is in fact rich and not exclusively related to external colonialism. Now that we got that out of the way, let's proceed to the Age of Exploration. In the 16th century, Portuguese explorers established trade routes and forts along the African coast, but they never ventured inland. Cape Verde, Sao Tome Island, and Mombasa in Kenya were some of the trade posts established by Portuguese traders. The Spanish also established possessions on the Canary Islands as well as Equatorial Guinea and Ceuta and Melilla on the northern African coast. The modern city of Cape Town was founded by the Dutch East India Company in 1652 as a stop for passing European ships going east. European penetration up until the 19th century was sparse and generally confined to coastal areas. Only in the late 19th century did European countries decide to colonize the continent. King Leopold of Belgium was the first to express a strong desire to colonize inland Africa. In 1884 and 1885, Otto von Bismarck Chancellor of the German Empire organized the Berlin Conference to establish international guidelines in how to avoid violent disputes among European powers laying claim to Africa. This event marked the beginning of the scramble for Africa. Over the next 30 years, European powers conquered almost the entire continent, with only a few territories remaining independent. The French and British empires were the largest, while Germany, Portugal and Belgium also built up sizable colonies. Spain and Italy were also present in Africa with smaller possessions. France's colonies were mostly centered around northern, western and central Africa, while Britain's colonies ranged from north to south, especially on the eastern side of the continent, from Egypt all the way down to South Africa. Let's now analyze in greater detail French and British colonies. It is essential to understand the differences in how they manage their respective colonies because it can help us explain how modern-day Africa turned out the way it is. So let's now dissect the divergences in how they manage their former colonies in terms of administration, languages, economy, politics, and culture. Starting with the administration of their colonies, France and Britain differed significantly. France pursued centralized colonial administration with appointed officials from France. It also imposed policies that supported integration and cultural assimilation. In contrast, Britain followed a decentralized system, practicing indirect rule, allowing local traditional rulers to maintain some autonomy with less emphasis on cultural assimilation. Languages also played a role in shaping colonial Africa. French was, and remains, 
the official language in many former French colonies. All other traditional languages took a back seat. Proficiency in French was often seen as a prerequisite for political and economic advancement. In former British colonies, English was important, but many countries adopted English alongside their indigenous languages and encouraged linguistic diversity. Economically, France built and maintained strong ties with its former colonies through mechanisms like trade agreements. This sometimes limited the economic sovereignty of these countries and made them reliant on France for certain resources and financial stability. Britain generally had fewer direct economic ties to its former colonies. Politically, the centralized colonial administration led former French colonies to adopt presidential systems of government with strong executive powers, mirroring the French model. Meanwhile, former British colonies generally favored parliamentary systems with multi-party democracies, promoting more decentralized and democratic governance structures. Culturally, French influence was and remained strong with French literature, art, and education playing a significant role. Many African elites were educated in France, preserving French cultural ties. British cultural influence persisted, but to a much lesser extent. These differences in how they managed their colonies and how the respective colonies evolved after has had profound effects on modern-day African nations. What are these effects when looking at their economy, politics, and conflicts today? When looking at Africa today, we can see that economically speaking, former French colonies often maintain strong economic ties to France. The CFA franc is the major currency of 14 African countries and is a big French legacy for the region. But this will be explored better in the next episode. Niger is a major source of French uranium, while Total Energies, a French oil company, continues to have extensive oil projects in Gabon and other African nations. Former French colonies also have centralized control over many economic sectors. Senegal's extensive control over its agricultural sector is a clear example. On the other hand, British former colonies emphasize private enterprise and commercial agriculture, contributing to a much more diverse economic landscape. Kenya, for example, has a diversified economy with a good mix of agriculture, industry and services. Politically, former French colonies continued centralized administrative systems, often leading to potential conflicts over resource distribution and political representation. For example, centralized power in the Central African Republic continues to be a major source of tension and conflict for the nation. Former French colonies also tended to exhibit much more nationalistic politics. British indirect rule and decentralized political systems helped preserve traditional ethnic and regional power structures, contributing to greater stability and distributed power in post-independence politics. Ghana, for example, has a decentralized political system with a strong emphasis on local governance and elections and is considered a great success story in the continent. When looking at conflicts, 
One thing that certainly stands out in the entire continent is the complete disregard for ethnicities or cultures when colonial powers drew up country borders. This also includes every other European colonial power, in addition to France and Britain. This has led to border disputes, conflicts and ethnic tensions, many of which are still unresolved to this day. Nigerian ethnic and regional tensions led to the Nigerian Civil War in the late 1960s. Herder-farmer conflicts in Nigeria between mostly Muslim Fulani herders and mostly Christian non-Fulani farmers have led to thousands of deaths in recent years. The border dispute between Ethiopia and Eritrea is a direct consequence of colonial-era border demarcations. The civil conflict in South Sudan is rooted in regional and ethnic power struggles. The Lhotse people in Namibia share a common language and history and feel more connected with Lhotse people in Zambia, Angola and Botswana and this led to an armed conflict with the Namibian government in the 1990s. Whether we can say Britain or France had a more successful colonial history is up to debate. One thing is certain though, the effects of European colonialism on African countries persist to this day and continues to shape their challenges and opportunities. The complete disregard for ethnicity, culture and religion in drawing up borders was a major setback for the entire continent and could have avoided many unnecessary conflicts. Consensus building in many African nations is incredibly hard, as most people vote based on religion or ethnicity. The differences between French and British colonialism are striking and have shaped their modern-day countries. Remember, this is only the first episode of a five-part series. The next episode will be a deep dive into France's influence and meddling in its former colonies and the wider continent after their independence. Thank you, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Cock Time. Please leave a review and follow me on Instagram, and I'll be back next time with more insightful research.